All right. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. So happy to have you join us. My, I am your host, Matt Hines. For those of you who are watching live on LinkedIn, live on YouTube, thank you very much for joining us in the middle of your workday. We're getting very close here, uh, Jeff, to the end of the uh, month. Uh, for some mm-hmm. people, we're getting close to the end of the – I call this the SAS fiscal year. It's the February through January fiscal year that a lot of people have moved to. So October, end of Q3 for those of you doing that. Hope you're all uh, hitting your number um, and staying on top of the numbers you need to hit for the year and for the quarter. Uh, we, uh, If you are listening to this on demand, if you're watching this on demand and LinkedIn, thank you very much for checking it out. If you are listening to the audio only version on our podcast and our podcast feed, thank you so much for listening. We are a little over 300 episodes of Sales Pipeline Radio over the last several years, and you can catch all of our episodes past, present, and future on demand at salespipelineradio.com. Before we get going today and introduce our guest, I want to thank our sponsor. Uh, really excited to continue to be working with Sendoso. Uh, we are a customer of Sendoso. They have been a great partner of ours for years. Um, and honestly, you know, as, as we get more digital, digitally focused, as we in more of our marketing, more of our sales efforts go digital, I think that authentic human connection still makes a difference. And brands that embrace that physical, virtual, and hybrid strategy. They're building meaningful connections and growing revenue. Um, Sendoso has done a phenomenal job of building some content, case studies, success stories focused on how people are really breaking through um, and staying connected with their prospects. Pun intended, because the event they just produced called Connected um, had some great content on it. We were really excited to be a part of that. And it is now available on demand. So if you want to check out all of the content from Connected all for free, go to Sendoso.com slash Connected-2021. Some great content up there that'll help you really sort of think about sort of this hybrid world and hybrid, hybrid in-person on, you know, online, offline. It's really we're going to talk a lot about sort of blurring lines today, Jeff, between not just online and offline, but marketing, product, sales. Very excited to have with us today our guest, Jeff Webb. He is a, a longtime uh, product marketing executive with Time at Micro, Focus, NetIQ, Pros, and is now the vice president of solution product and marketing strategy for iSolve. That was a mouthful. Jeff, thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, kind of. It's taken me a while to get there. So, you know, we can uh, we can go through it slowly. Well, speaking of getting there, uh, you will you will recognize that uh, our guest today, if you find him on LinkedIn, you'll see that he actually lives in deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, but his accent <laughs> pretty, pretty, sort of gives away the fact that he is uh, a, a proud University of Liverpool graduate as well. Oh, You're we joking yes. before we got started about, OK, like what are the things I had? A, I had a, we had a client years and years ago that was from Canada and had gone and moved to Texas. And literally they said like, you know, we come down here, there isn't as much hockey, you different kinds of food. And we're really trying to be like the locals, which means we're eating barbecue and going to high school football games, which I yeah. thought was hilarious um, and pretty true. But anyway, excited to have you on. I know we're going to talk a little bit about this intersection between product um, and, and marketing. And I yeah. think even just your title, like, I mean, just the, we see a lot of people, like I literally this morning was talking to a client about a, a VP of revenue and product marketing role that she's trying to fill. Um, mm-hmm. Solutions, product and marketing strategy. Talk a little bit about that role and just yeah. operationally day to day, how you are integrating those together for iSolve. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's a really interesting role. Um, I think it's a natural development of what was traditional product marketing over the years. Um, that role and those teams have have expanded in their, um, I don't want to just say influence, but in the role they play within the business. And it is absolutely to form a linkage, a very clear linkage that goes both ways 
between the, the things that a business builds, right? the technology, the, the, the services they offer, um, what they bring to market, and the value that those things deliver to their customers in both directions. So in other words, to, to help the product organization uh, be very clear about what um, where they should be focusing, where the opportunities are, what the challenges are that customers face and how they should be solving them and prioritizing that work and help the, the broader market and the rest of our business understand this is the value we deliver to, um, to our constituents, to our markets, to our customers, and to our, to our users. So it is a, it's really a, you know, a combination of a, almost a role of building and telling the story, but also translating the, the process between things you build and things that people want. And, and to help you know, the organization understand that's not necessarily framed in the same way between a, a product perspective and a, you know, and a value perspective. I'm really glad you brought that up because I mean I could argue that this is you know sort of the, this is not even just a chicken and egg situation. It's not well it's product first, customer first. To me, it's sort of, sort of always customer first, right? I mean, like businesses are born because there is a problem to be solved, and that 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 doesn't go away. I think there are some companies that get very enamored with their product and their product roadmap, and sort of lose sight of the customer and the problem. And I think that as as you look at companies that over generations have been sustainably successful those are the companies that obsess about customers and problems. Like talk a little bit about that, how, you know, sort of like, even though we call it product marketing, like it's really sort of the opposite to make the product successful and sustainable. It absolutely is. And, you know, and I have this conversation many, many times. In fact, I, I feel like I have it every couple of days with somebody, which is it's not about the product, right? And, right. and product marketing has, um, again, it, it, as it has evolved, it's evolved not just as a, an academic exercise, but as a reflection of how businesses are being successful and what the, the markets and the audiences are expecting. It's, it's never about the product. It's, it's always about the value that the thing delivers to, um, to the users, to the customers, to the buyers, and so on. And you, you, know, you have to start with that perspective. If you start with a, we've built something great, uh, let's go tell the world about it, you will fail. Um, you know, that the worst thing that, you know, you ever hear is build a meta, better mousetrap and the world will be to path to your door. It, it simply will not. There probably is a sufficiently good mousetrap out there already. So why don't you understand the problem people are having trapping mice before you start building new mousetraps? If I can extend that that metaphor way beyond probably. Oh, I love it. I, I look, I mean, I love it. And I think, you know, we all, we're all very enamored with our status quos and it takes a lot to get us off of them. And yeah. like incremental improvements, even though like, hey, listen, you know, it's better than eight minute abs, seven minute abs, seven minutes, it's like <laughs> a minute. I really don't care. I'm already on a system. I'm not going to move to another system for a minute. Right. Um, and that's my bad analogy there. But I think like it's, it's a good point. They're like, and so when, when you let's talk about the progression of this, because I think a lot of times like a, a, a company will start not with a product, but observing a problem in an audience that is big yeah. enough. They think there's a market there. You get something launched, and then all of a sudden you've got customers that say, wow, that's great. What if it had X? What if it had Y? Mm -hmm. I would actually buy it for my enterprise company if it had Z you know, uh, feature. How do you balance feedback from customers individually, mm -hmm. right, which are valid, with yeah. making sure you're staying focused on a, a core addressable market? Because I think I, we've probably both seen examples of Franken products that emerge from put, you know, putting yeah. point solutions on products that lose their way. Uh, absolutely. The, the most terrifying thing you can ever hear when you ask, well, you know, who's this for and what does it do is it's for everybody and it does everything. I, mm -hmm. That means it's for no one and it does nothing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, um, 
that's part of the role of marketing and the, the sort of the, the connection between products, the product world, product management, you know, engineering, production, whatever, and the, the marketing function and how that, that sort of symbiotic relationship really should operate efficiently, which is a clear understanding of what problems we're solving in the market and then a capacity to, to, to dig in and go, well, why is that a problem? Like, it's not just to, just a, good enough to understand there's a problem. You have to understand why is that a problem? What are the implications of that problem to the people that have that? What are the potential solutions that they have? How many people have that problem? And then what is it worth to them to solve that problem? And, and if you can bring that sort of information together with a good understanding of the other aspect of that, which is this is our vision and our perspective for how we want to build the the, the platform, the technology, the product, the services, whatever it is, right? yeah. and sort of marry those things now you have a working business plan for how you're going to go to market and solve problems in a way that addresses a sufficiently large market with enough value with something that's that's important enough to them to actually have them hand over money to you rather than to somebody else solving a different problem um that's you know that's the key to that sort of marriage again between product management product marketing you think about traditional product management Mm -hmm. that always starts with you know, the basic core statement of there is a problem in the market such that this group of people have this problem that need to solve it like this and would like to to engage with this kind of product to solve it. And you right. must, must, must start with that perspective, not with a, we've built something, I wonder if someone can use it. So if I could go back, you know, about 10 minutes when we started and actually start telling <laughs> the number of times you said product versus problem, I think mm-hmm. you said problem more often. So, I mean, like you think about this is we call it product marketing, but if we called it problem marketing, it might actually be a little more true and remind folks like what the real, where the, where the real fulcrum is here. Uh, on, talking mm-hmm. on Sales Pipeline Radio today with our guest, Jeff Webb. He is the head of many things, including problem marketing at iSolved. And um, <laughs> Jeff, I, we can't really have anyone on who's a product marketing expert and not talk about the latest frothy acronym that we have in our B2B space, which is PLG, product-led growth. Um, I'm sure that you have heard this a couple times, a couple, you know, 80, 90, 100 times. What, what the heck is PLG? And as a product marketing leader, what does it mean to you? Yeah, well, actually, let me let me uh, give you another perspective. We tend to think of ourselves, uh, certainly, you know, aboard my team and, and many of the folks that we work with as solution marketing. That's a great way to think of this thing is what we take to market as a solution to a set of problems and being clear on what those are is, is really important. The, the product-led growth, sorry, PLG, product-led growth functions, businesses, you know, strategies. Um, really, this is a, it's a very natural extension of a couple of things that are going on in the world right now. Um, the, the objective is very simple. Build a product that engages your user base uh, mm-hmm. in such a way that they naturally become advocates, they naturally engage other parts of the organization. And what, what you see is a, a sort of an explosive growth within a customer or within a, a user group um, of use of your product driven by the value that the product delivers. You know, if the product has certain attributes, it's really easy to use, it delivers value very quickly, it's very natural and simple to sort of evangelize about, um, then you can see explosive growth. And there's a whole bunch of examples of, of those sort of things, especially amongst the um some of the collaboration tools, for example, that, that are very natural. I, you know, one group's using it, they're finding it adds a lot of value. Another group starts to you know, look at that and go, well, actually, we could bring that on board. Um, and, and so what you're seeing is uh, a real focus that is entirely healthy on ensuring that you can deliver value to 
the constituents you're serving, the, the customers, the users, and so on, very quickly in a way that's very easy. That's a good thing. There's nothing, you know, everybody should be doing that. Right. Um, and then the second thought part is really the sort of consumerization of technology where people will test things out themselves, bring it into the workplace, um, show somebody, a small group starts to use it, and suddenly that explodes. I think one of the, the ones I love on that example of that is actually, oddly enough, the, the standing desks. You usually find that you know one person goes and buys a standing desk in the office environment, suddenly there's five, next thing there's a thousand people buying them. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third trend that's really driven this, I, in my opinion, it has been the rise of the power of the employee to shape the work environment that, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the sort of this very hierarchical perspective of, of how things should be done and, and how things should be supported has really been turned on its head. It's certainly in the past few years and definitely in the past couple of years around employees having much, much more power and, and say, and, and, you know, from our organization, you know, from the perspective of iSolved as a, as an HCM provider, our, our whole focus and the focus of this whole market has been on how do you give a better employee experience so that people are better engaged and so on. And, and product-led growth technologies are a very natural out, um, outgrowth of that sort of drive to, to deliver exceptional products, sorry, exceptional products to deliver exceptional, um, exceptional employee experience. I love all that. Um, I, I, the word I keep I keyed in on there was experience. You know, I think that, you know, when you think about just, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about sort of sales and marketing collaboration and creating a seamless sales and marketing experience. And if you add product in there, I think you've got this sort of holy trinity that sort of it, it really can create a rocket fuel opportunity in your business. Like people don't want to be sold to. They don't want to be marketed to. They want to be pushed in a direction they're not ready for. And that's the product as well. I mean, we probably all, you know, both of us as well as everyone watching and listening have had product experiences where we feel like we're getting pushed to upsell. We feel like we're getting pushed to convert, to buy something more. We don't want to be sold to, but we love to buy. We love to solve our problems. We, you know, right. we want to fix things, right? And I think that if we see, a, if we have a seamless experience across the departments, across the business, so they don't see this as, well, this is okay because this is I solve marketing and I know I sell sales is run by a different department, so it's okay. There's a different message. I guarantee your buyers are not thinking that. So if you create that seamless experience across the customer facing teams as well as the customer facing products and services boy and you get that right and you go back to our first part of this conversation you focus all of that message not on the product mm -hmm. but on the problems right? right and on the reasons on the customer centric reasons why this makes sense now all of a sudden we're getting somewhere oh yeah absolutely that's been you know one of the interesting challenges again and i'll just reference very quickly in our space because this has been one that's that also has been turned completely on its head the last couple of years have seen a complete change in the way that employees think about their relationship with their employer. And that's forced organizations to completely rethink about how they interact with their employees. How do they engage with them? How do they make sure that their, their experience is a good one? How do they empower employees to make good decisions instead of enforcing them from, again, this very sort of top-down, very hierarchical perspective? Because... Um, employees are now looking for a different kind of experience when they're evaluating who they want to work for, who do they want to stay with, and so on. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it's a case of how do we give people the tools to, to do their job? How do we give them the tools to collaborate, work with each other? How do we give them the tools to, not only that, but to, um, to develop within their career? How do, they, how do they take control of their, their own training, their own 
career development, their, their goal setting and so on, and, and, and have a better employee experience. And the, the, the challenge for product organizations of every kind, every kind, is to recognize that trend and understand what it means to the things that they break into market. Because it means that now the, the criteria for evaluation of value has shifted potentially very dramatically and, and certainly quickly. Well, you've got a couple things happening. You've got a consumer and a buyer who increasingly wants to operate independently, who is comfortable and educated enough to make some of their own decisions, follow their own path. And increasingly now, I mean, we've had this labor shortage for a while that doesn't seem to be alleviating. And I've seen some economists that say, okay, like, well, just get used to this because it's not coming back. So if you just if you have fewer people to put in your customer success team, if you have fewer people to pick up the phone and call your customer, how do you merge that opportunity with your customer's interest in being more self-directed? I mean, to me, this is you don't really call it product led growth. I don't know what you call that, but like that seems like a real opportunity for years to come. It is. It is. And I think it's recognizing again that how people buy is changing. I think we've seen this for a long time, you know, as a as a marketing leader, um, We've been in you know, a marketing departments I've run and worked in. We've been navigating this change for, for quite a long time, which is mm -hmm. that the shift to sort of self-education, to the shift to doing research, to re relying on peers mm -hmm. um, and sort of essentially assembling much of the information ahead of engaging with the, the company I want to buy from. I think the other thing that's happening is that marketing organizations, in addition to helping educate their, their, their markets, must now also help those markets understand how to buy. I think one of the big challenges that businesses face um, is just the complexities of going through, making the selection process, figuring out how to buy. What are the integration points? I think one of the interesting counterpoints to product like growth is there are absolutely technologies that are not particularly amenable to product like growth strategies because of the nature of the um, the dependencies and interactions with other infrastructure that they have where you know you if it's very much a sort of an atomic set of value that can be delivered you can drive product -led growth if it requires a lot of um, integration if there are other sort of technology requirements you can you have to approach it approach it differently in that you have to enable your current users to evangelize the value without necessarily just giving them the tools to say go ahead and, and you know tell somebody else to go install it because it may, it may not work that way correct well, as usual, we run out of time really quickly on this show. Uh, Jeff, I want to thank you for joining us. Where can, more, where can people learn more about ISOL? Where can we learn, we'll learn more from you? So I would do a couple of things. Obviously, visit our, our website, isolvedhcm.com, end-to-end um, platform really for the entire – a lot of the things we talked about, from hiring all the way through to um, development of the skill set to workforce management and so on. It's an HCM platform tool set and, and services. But for me, uh, you know, follow me on, on LinkedIn. I'm always uh, very interested in these kind of conversations. I have a great passion for this as a evolving discipline. So I'd love to talk more. Love it. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're busy. This has been fun. It's been quick, but it's been fun. Thank you, everyone, yeah. for watching on LinkedIn. If you're listening or watching on demand, thanks so much. Thanks again to our sponsor, Sendoso. We'll see you next week, 1130 Thursdays, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. My name is Matt Hines. We'll see you next week on Sales Pipeline Thank Radio. You, Take care.